It's Wednesday night. This is uh, August 3rd. Is that right? August 3rd. And we're in the book of James, so you can turn there. I was uh, communicating with my buddy Lee, the one that reads the Bible all the time, and he'll, he'll send me three pages worth of text message, and I send him three words. And then he'll send me three more pages, and then I send him you know, three words. But he, uh, and I've, I've been talking lately about, well, for the longest time now, pretty much this whole year, uh, we've been on the topic of, or the theme of, rightly dividing the word, rightly dividing the word of truth, the Bible. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There are people who are overly into one section of the Bible or one part of the Bible or one theme. There are many different things, different doctrines throughout the Bible. And there will be certain people who will just gather around one doctrine and really get on that really hard. And I can give you multiple examples, but I think you're aware of that. And again, that's why we're divided as a church. And I'm talking the big church. The body of Christ is very divided amongst itself because people don't rightly divide the word of truth. And it's understandable why they don't. Um, you have very sincere people who get on a certain thing and they will go to extremes and actually make things, pull from everywhere they can and actually add to the Word of God to make it say what they really want it to say and they might have a good reason because they're fighting something that's obviously wrong. But that doesn't make it right for them to change things or to be so into one little area that they are neglecting so many other parts of the Bible. So for the 11 years that I did Bible study at the jail, when we started reading a portion of scripture and most often we would start in a book of the Bible and we would go through it word by word. Not, not necessarily uh, concentrating on verse by verse, but we would go word by word. And you can even get into letter by letter. Numbers and letters. In the Bible, if you have an authorized version, which is the King James Bible, when you open it up, the very first verse has got the same number of letters in the first verse as does the very last verse of the Bible. The same number of letters. Now that's pretty neat, right? You would think, so you, you, you open up your Bible and you go to Genesis 1-1 and you, and you count all the letters. And then you go to the very last 
verse of the Bible, Revelation 22, and you go to the very last verse and you count all the, all the letters, you get the exact same number. But you know what's even more interesting is it's the exact same number of consonants, which means it's the same number of vowels. Now that's even more impressive. Now, every new version of the Bible messes that up. Every one. And, and it's because of one letter. In the beginning, God created the heaven, but all other translations is heavens. And a little bit further on, as you get into the Word of God, it talks about God making the heavens and the earth. Talking about the days of creation, the seven days of creation. So, man has gone to the first verse and made that heavens and earth to go along with what says later. And most people don't think that's one itty-bitty issue at all. They don't have any concerns over it, and most people wouldn't. What's, what's wrong with that? You could think, well, so what? It is huge absolutely huge that you add that one S to the first verse of the Bible. So, when, I, when people say, well, where's, where, where are the new versions messed up? You know, where, how far do you have to get into the Word of God before you have a first mess up? First verse. They mess it up the very first verse. How many people had to be on the earth before God's Word got messed up a little bit. Adam and Eve. God gave them the word. It was very true. In the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Satan shows up. You, should, you won't surely die. <laughs> he just, he, he said most of what God, he, he, the devil will say mostly what God says. And it's going to sound really good because it's God's words. It's going to sound right. It's truthful. It's, it's, and, and, you're going to, and most people will just fall right in line with it because it sounds so good. But he'll put one little S somewhere where it doesn't need to be, and it'll mess a lot of other things up as you go through. So the reason I brought that up is uh, he said something about, Lee said something about he was looking into this... Uh, Difference between the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. And I'm like, and I haven't, we've been talking about that amongst ourselves, but I've been saying a lot about it. And he, he was taught, he said, yeah, I was looking that up. And he sent me a link of an article from a website that explains it beautifully. I mean, so good. And then the, the name of the website, I want everybody to know what the name of the website is. And basically, all you have to do is type in KJV Bible, all, all together, KJV, as in King James Version, and then Bible.org. And what's going to pop up is a website that is called The Bible Genesis and Geology. Now, I would, you know, be a little, little bit, uh, you know, cautious of, of just that right there, Genesis 
and geology. And the very first article in the website, because you've got to go down to, I don't know, articles, I can't remember what article it is, way down the list to find the uh, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. But the very first article is the history of the Genesis gap theory. Interpretation and its basis in Bible doctrine. And there's a video that you can watch that explains it really, really well. And uh, it's, it's a gap fact. So the reason that I'm saying, and, and, and I tell people, had somebody yesterday asked me about uh, the preaching that I do and I was interested in it, and I gave them the podcast address so they can go in and type it in and find it. And I said, I said you may want to go all the way back to the beginning of it and listen to the four uh, sermons that I did on creation. I wish I would have had this website back then. I could have explained things even better. But see, this guy, I, I can't even remember, I don't even know his name. You can look through the website and find out who it is, but he's not interested in his name being associated with any of this. He just wants people to know the truth. Now, the gap between verses 1-1 of Genesis and 1-3, that middle verse there, too, talking about the chaotic state of the earth. And the first verse is a general statement of something that has happened who knows how far back. No one knows when God created the heaven and the earth. The reason that he says heaven and earth is because it's a general statement of sometime in the past, we have no idea how far back it was, God created the earth. The earth was made perfect when he created it, back whenever it was, and there were, it was, it was home to angelic beings. Lucifer walked on Eden. He, he was the head person or head angel of this place that is now a regenerated earth that when we open up our Bibles, we see in the very second verse of the Bible, we see that something very catastrophic has happened to this earth it's completely flooded, and everything is dark, and the Spirit of God's hovering over all of that, and then he says, let there be light. And there was light, even though the sun and the moon and the stars were still not in their place. See, when God shows up, there's light, regardless of whether there's a sun or not. Amazing light comes from God. Terrible darkness comes from Satan. And you're either living in darkness or you're living in light. And we're, we're living in a country right now that has about half of the people in this country are in total darkness. Evil. And they think nothing's wrong with it. it and it's scary how, it's, how it has gotten to the point that it, that, that it is right now. And, and there are people who are so okay with making sure God and Bible and all is just out of everything. They don't want it. They don't want to hear it. They push it out and want nothing to do with it. And they are in darkness. 
So you can look that up. You talk about scientific. I'm talking real science. I, I love science. I love uh, figuring out if a star was to die, that it would, it would cause enormous amounts of water to be put into the atmosphere. Uh, thinking about a star dying, and that star is 500,000 light years away when it dies, the light from it is traveling. Speed of light, there's, there's, a, there's a speed to light. It's very, very fast when, when we think about it. But if a star is that far away, that star could be dead for 500,000 light years before we ever see that, before we could ever see it, so we would never see it. Or it happened so long ago that we're still seeing the light from it because it hasn't gotten here yet. And it may, be, may have been out for hundreds of thousands of years. All right, so you have these young earthers, young earth people. I mentioned it not that long ago. Ken Ham is the most famous young earther out there. And they are, they love, what I've noticed is the people who are young earthers, they all use modern versions. None of them use the King James. And they, they like the fact that the first verse says, says heavens because they pull it from one over to wherever to match up with the seven days of creation. They said, well, that's just an introduction, and then here's the details. That's the way they, they describe it. But they can't tell you, they can't figure out why there was so much chaos all over the earth. And, and then they can't tell you which, which seven days, which of the seven days does God create the earth, the rock, the core, the crust? When does he create that? Well, they can't find it anywhere because it's already there. Where, 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 did, he, where did he create water? Well, it was already there. They don't want to talk about any of that. They just want to move on to the seven days of creation. And yes, they were seven 24-hour days, and it happened about 6,000 years ago. I have no problem with that whatsoever. That's very true. Adam and Eve were put on this earth about 6,000, maybe at the most 7,000 years ago. But there are fossils in the earth, dinosaur fossils that have been recovered, and they are very, very old. And we can't ignore that. Now, you can ignore the science that says that there are a hundred and some uh, genders. Feel free to ignore that science. But there's a lot of science that actually make the Bible right on. No problem with it. There's never been anything found that makes the Bible not trustworthy. It's the opposite happens. Every time we see further out into the universe, Every time we find something in an archaeological dig, we see that the Bible is true. There have been places in the Bible where a king was mentioned, and there's like, oh, oh see there, it's messed up because there was no king uh, by that name at that time, it, and then they find something that shows, yep, there was a king. You know, it, it all, it, give it time, and the Bible will be perfect. Give it time, and human beings will finally catch up to the perfectness of it.
okay? Now, so important to believe the Word of God for what it says, and I think it's really important that we have faith that we actually have the Word of God. God said He would preserve it. I showed y'all not that long ago, probably was on a Wednesday night, where Psalm 12 talked about the words of God are preserved and perfect. God will preserve them forever and ever. But the new versions, all the new versions, take them out, talking about the words, and change it to us. You know, puts a personal name in there so that we're thinking people. And the people who carry those Bibles, the new versions, they will tell, most of them will tell you the originals were perfect. The originals were. No, duh. Of course they were. But God said He would preserve them. And they'll, they'll come up with some reason why, no, that's not what Psalm 12 says. It's, it, he, didn't, he's, he can't preserve it. The originals are good but we've got copies and man has messed them up. And I've said that a million times, I know, I'm sorry, but that's what they'll say. I'm telling you, you have the perfect Word of God if you're holding the King James Bible. That's just my opinion. And I'm, I feel very confident in that. And when, when, I, when I listen to people who don't hold that, they're weak on their arguments. They can't debate with you. They, 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 as soon as they catch on that you know what you're talking about and you start naming some places in the Bible and you start turning to places, they, they're gone. They're gone. They don't, they don't want to talk to you anymore. I have had debates with people. They realized that they were wrong or they didn't want to debate anymore and they will never bring it up with me but then I can hear them in another room saying the same thing to somebody else that's wrong. I, I've, I've witnessed it over the years. Sad. But they get hung up on certain things, and that's, that's, they're, they're just out to convince people that they're right on something. And I don't, I don't want to ever be that way. I want to make sure people understand that the Word of God is the Word of God. It's pure. It's been preserved and it's going to show you a very important person. His name is Jesus, and you must see him. You must want to have a relationship with him, and you must ask him to come into your life and change you so that you will be like him. All right, I think we uh, finished up with uh, last Wednesday. I think we got through 5 of James chapter 1, verse 5, so we're at 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. So you got a, somebody, a very lowly person is going to be exalted. But the rich, in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. 
For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Now, you know, at the very beginning of James, uh, the study of James that we started a couple weeks ago, we talked about how many times certain words were in different books of the Bible, especially James. And, uh, you know, this, that word grace right there really isn't talking about the grace, the grace. So it's not, you can't even really count that one right there in verse 11. Now, um, we've been reading, I have been reading, and some others have been reading, um, Proverbs. And since August is another month that has 31 days, I'm doing it all over again. And that example that I gave you from the, uh, that guy who, uh, Gip, who, who does it every day, the way, he's, the way he described that's what he does every day. He's reading one proverb a day, every month, every, every day of the year. He's reading a proverb. So we just finished it up last month and started back up again if you're doing it over again. But in Proverbs 30, what, what, did, all right, what I just read, and remember, when we started James, when we started James, I talked about how it, uh, you're going to see some Proverbs in it. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's, that's out of Proverbs. That's, that, that is a word of wisdom. In uh, Proverbs 30, in reference to poor and rich, that we just read in 9, 10, and 11, talking about the poor, talking about the rich. Remember in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. Just mentioned that the other day. I can't remember if I was talking about that on Sunday or last Wednesday, but we were just talking about that parable of the sower. Remember, one of the situations, there was four different places that the seed fell that was talked about. The one place was, it was, it was uh, the thorns and the thistles that, that grew up around as that seed germinated and started to grow. It was good seed growing up, but all of the thorns and thistles grew up with it and choked it out. And Jesus is talking about that is, because he, he interprets that to his disciples, and he says, it's the cares of this world and the, maybe the deceitfulness of riches, or, or he said it some, something like, I'm just, just off from memory, it just popped in my head. So the cares of this world would match up with the poor. If you, if you don't have a whole lot of money, there's a lot of cares of this world that are going to be consuming your thoughts. But if you are very well off, then there's a whole lot of things you can get into, a lot of things that you can buy. You tend to start thinking that you're self-sufficient and you don't need help from God. So James is talking right here in these, in these three verses that uh, it's 
can be a big hindrance if you're poor, and it can be a big hindrance if you're rich. Now, uh, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Remove far from, from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Isn't that interesting? That's a proverb. Give, he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Now, most people, when you hear, uh, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain, you're thinking of using his name along with some foul language. That's what most people think. But when you claim to be a Christian and you don't live that way, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. You're disrespecting the Lord that you say is your heavenly Father, and then you go out and do these sinful things, you're destroying his name. If you come to this church and I don't want to put pressure on anybody, but, but if you go back out into this world and live a different... So don't, don't act like you're something different than what you really are. If you're living like the devil out there, just that's okay. I'd rather you not. But if you're going out there, just, just don't say that you're a Christian and, and, and you go to church all the time and whatever. It, it, it can make me look bad as well. It's like, what is he preaching? Y'all's, y'all's preacher must be pitiful because y'all just go out into the world and live like the devil. And all of us can make the Lord look bad. We need to honor our Heavenly Father. We need to walk... I've heard stories, people say, you know, when they were kids, they were, they were walking down the road and they had opportunity. Their buddies were getting into mischief. Little boys get into mischief. They pick up rocks and try to bust windows, whatever, and they want everybody to participate. And if you... I, I heard this uh, man who talked about that situation when he was a boy, and he picked the rock up because he didn't want to be the only one that didn't do it. And they, everybody else had already done something bad, and he, all he could see was his father's disappointed face. And he dropped the rock and said, I can't dishonor him. And we need to be that way with our Heavenly Father. As we go through this world and we are tempted to do bad things or to join in with people who are on the wrong side of godly matters, we need to stop and say, I don't care if I'm all alone, lonely, talk bad about, I'm not dishonoring my my Heavenly Father. I'm not going to do it. You just see God's face and, and how sad He would be if you didn't stand up for him and his word. Yeah, I've really, uh, really enjoyed, you know, getting up early or, or getting up, whether it's early or not, just getting up and, and not, not doing anything until I read that, at least that one proverb. And then some days I might have to read my three psalms a little bit later, but most of the time I read them right after I read the proverb. So I'm up to 102 today, 102, because it's 31 days 
plus 3, that's 34 times 3, 102. So I read 100, 101, 102. 100 and 101 are very short, and uh, 102 is kind of long. 100 is awesome. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. It goes right along with Psalm 12. His truth, his word, his precepts, his law, it endureth forever. So as we read the word, going through the Psalms, you know, when I get to day 50, I'll be reading those last three, and you, you feel like you've accomplished something, you've gotten to a, you set a goal, and you get there, and it feels good. And all in the process, you're just filling yourself up with the Word of God. Back to James. See, James is very much into the Word of God. He, he has these, as you read through the book of James, you're going to see wisdom. You'll see bits and pieces of Proverbs. So if you've read through all of Proverbs and you're reading James, things are going to start to pop out at you. And you're going to see a bunch of Sermon on the Mount stuff. You're going to see it as you go through the book of James. Now, again, that is why it is so critical that you understand the difference between kingdom of God principles and kingdom of, kingdom of heaven principles, kingdom of God principles. The Sermon on the Mount is kingdom of heaven principles. <clears throat> we are the church, the body of Christ. We, if we're truly born again, remember when Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. Now, not, you not only need to see it, that's when you're, you're studying, you're listening, you hear, the, hear my preaching on difference between kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, and you start to see it, and I introduce you to Jesus, and you say, I want, I want Jesus, and you're, that born-again uh, experience is starting to happen, then you see it, like I said before, if you don't have that, if you don't have the Holy Spirit working inside of you, working with you to, to help you see things, Jesus said in Matthew 13, I write this way, I speak this way because I need them to be blinded. I need them to reject the kingdom of heaven. Disciples are just like you, they're going, uh, What? Because if they accept the kingdom of heaven, then I'm going to the throne of David and I'm going to rule and reign. The kingdom of God needs to come in. The kingdom of heaven has to be rejected. The king has to be taken by force and falsely accused and hung on a cross. He needs to die 
so that the kingdom of God can come in for everyone. That's what's got to happen. So, he spoke in ways that would blind certain people so that all the prophecies will come to pass. He used all kinds of different ways to make the prophecies come to pass. It just so happens, as fate would have it, (laughs) all these things just fell into place and every single prophecy happened. God is a very sovereign God. He knows what has happened, is happening, what's going to happen, but yet individual people have been set free to choose evil. And, you know, my fellow brethren who are big time into the Reformed theology and Calvinism. They, 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 they love Augustinian uh, theology, and it passed down through Martin Luther and, and John Calvin, and they're, they're, they're proud to be Calvinist. And they're all into the sovereignty of God, and God knows all, and He makes everything happen, and you have no part in it whatsoever. But yet you ask them, so when people go into a school or a grocery store and they shoot a whole bunch of people, God made that happen. Oh, no, 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 no. That's evil and God, God's not evil and, uh, and they can't explain it. So people choose wrongly and when... <laughs> They keep, if, once you get into sin, let, let's read a little bit more, because this, this, I'm getting ahead of myself on that. When we get over to 15, it's going to start making more sense. Okay, uh, where did I start? 12, uh, 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. Now, people, you're going to go through temptations or trials and testings. You're going to go through them. He he, he already said, count it all joy when you go through these things. And now he's saying, blessed is the man that endureth through these things. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Because God is, he is, there's no evil in him. He can't tempt you. He's not out there tempting you with sinful things. The devil's doing all that. We do that to ourselves. Sometimes the devil's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get something in them. I got, and then you do something really stupid, and he goes, oh, <laughs> good. All right, I'll go to somebody else. We do it ourselves. We get ourselves in bad situations. The devil is out there, and along with all of his his uh, demons, they're out there doing a job. There's there's uh, the reason why. Remember that sermon? Why do we need the full armor of God? 
because of the, the uh, powers and principalities out in the unseens that are, all these battles are going on. The Prince of Persia, you know, that's one I never got to, was Daniel and the Prince of Persia. That's a whole other one, if you can remember back with all the examples I gave you. That's one I didn't get to, and I, I really wanted to, but I didn't. Uh, okay, so, let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. See? It's not just Satan doing it to you, but your own lust and enticed. See, the lust is already there inside of you. That's a given, because you're a human being. So there are lust. Now, lust is almost always bad in the Bible when you see the word lust, but every now, there's a couple times where it's talking about lusting after your wife, which is okay. You can have that desire for your wife, but in all other areas, that, that uh, desire for your wife, if you direct that to anything else, that's very wrong. Okay? So we, as fallen, fallen human beings, there's some things, we have desires inside of us that are not, they're just human. And then, enticed, that's what Satan does. You go, you go back to the beginning, in the, in, in the Garden of Eden, you had Eve, Satan shows up. She was enticed. We are all enticed. But does it come together, the lust that's already in you and the enticement, does it come together and is it conceived in the womb? And if it does, if conception happens, baby sin is going to be born it's going to happen. Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived... See, I'm not making this up. It's right here in the Bible. It bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished... See, sin, once it comes in, it doesn't go away. It lives on... And it starts with the little, well, that's not so bad, but then that leads to this, and then that leads to this. I've heard many, many guys that I've met, became friends with at the jail that, you know, in Bible study, how it was, uh, this particular drug, it wasn't all that bad. But then once they got into that, and that got a hold of them, that didn't do it for them anymore. Then they got into the next bigger thing, and then, then it, then, then it got into stealing from their very own family members, people they love, to get this. And, and so what started out as something innocent, you know, not, not too bad, just a little bit of sin, ended up causing all... You can do a whole list of sins. I've, I've heard what women do, which is a list of sins just to get some type of drug all these other sins get added into it. So, and, and it keeps going until what? And when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You 
have a choice to make. So getting back to my friends who talk about election and just try to hammer it home that, you know, if you're one of the elect, oh well, maybe they're not one of the elect, oh well, sorry, that feels so bad for them. When Eve was tempted and she fell, she ate from the tree, Adam was right there watching all this, evidently he comes over, she gives to him and he ate. Not only do we, when we fall into sin, do we get into a bad situation, but we always tend to bring somebody else in with us. So Adam has sinned, their eyes are opened, they know the difference between good and evil. So, so your, your, uh, your Calvinist brethren will say, uh, talk about total depravity. Total depravity. You can make no good decision on your, on your own. And again, what they really mean is, you don't choose God, He has chosen you. <clears throat> but they'll go too extreme with it and talk about how you can make no good decisions then why are you upset with Adam and Eve falling? Why are you upset when someone kills somebody? If they're totally depraved, if they're lost sinners and they're totally depraved, that's what they would normally do. So why are you mad at them? It's because you know that great-great-granddaddy Adam, he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and no matter how sinful we are or how lost we are, we know the difference between good and evil. We know it. So when somebody rapes and murders, we are very upset. The guys at the jail, they're all locked up for something, but they know the difference between good and evil. And when a child molester gets locked up and puts, they, they put that person in the pod with them, that child molester will get beat up every single day. Why? Because all those criminals look at that sin as being so heinous that that person needs to be beat up every day. They make a judgment. Why? Because they know the difference between good and evil. They know. They, go, they, get, they, get, they serve their time. They go back out into the world, and they fall right back into the evil stuff that they did before. Most of them do. Every now and then, some of them make a real, true change, and they don't go back to their old ways because they're a new creature in Christ. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come into each and every one of us, that we can see the deep meaning of your word. Father, that we will have confidence that you have preserved it. Father, that we can read it. And that even if we don't understand everything we read, that it will be in us. And we are fertile ground. Father, we, we, we are keeping the garden weeded. Father, we're cultivating the soil. 
so that the seed will go down and be hidden from the birds of the air so the birds won't come and pluck it away. Father, we want to be people who have received your good word and that it will germinate, it will grow. Father, that it's deep soil, that we will be so rooted in you, in your solid foundation, that we will live a life that will be honoring to you, that we will not be causing your name to be used in vain. Father, we will represent you well here on this earth. And Father, we, we would like to ask that you would help us, that we would uh, be more willing to share your story with those that we meet. And Father, we would, we would like that the Holy Spirit would, would fall down on us. Father, that you would anoint us with your Holy Ghost. That we will be different because of it. We will speak your word with boldness because of it. And Father, we want hearts to be touched. We want people to turn to you. Father, we live in a hurting world. And we want people to live in a way that they know your rest, that they're riding with you, that you are taking them home to be with you one day. Father, that we can help people understand that they don't have to climb the ladder, climb the mountain, that they would not trust in what they do, but have total and complete trust in what you have done and that we will enter your rest. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.